Thanks again for the word. And uh, I forgot to mention our little Britain Zabolski, that you would give grace and healing to her with this uh, RV, Lord. Allow the antibiotics to work, give her rest, yeah, protect her little heart that's been repaired with open heart surgery, and uh, give the mom and dad real peace, Lord, that you go before them. You're the good shepherd, and we love you for it. In Christ's name, amen. All right, take your Bible and let's uh, turn to uh, an old friend. Should we call it that? An old friend, Psalm 121, and ask the question, or at least make uh, in a statement by way of title, a song for the new year. Psalm 121, a song. You know, the Psalms are the Hebrew songbook, and uh, the Psalm is the Greek word, Psalmai, Psalmoi, means song or songs, plural, uh, for a new year. Um, and so I thought we'd introduce uh, today as we move into the uh, year 2013. How many thought you'd make it this far? You know, like, whoa, oh, well, about five of you, okay. <laughs> well, this Tuesday is uh, going to be uh, move us into a brand new year, 2013. Boy, we seem to be moving through time at uh, the speed of lightning, don't we? <coughs> I mean, going, going, and almost gone. We could have turned to Psalm 90, Moses' psalm, right? Going, going, and almost gone. We live our days as a tale that is told, like a short story, right? A narrative. There began, and they're done, done. And, uh, boy, I, I watch time. I measure time. I'm very aware of it, and still it takes my breath away as to uh, how it moves, uh, how the calendars. I mean, it's just amazing. The sands of time continue, unstoppable. You know what that is, right? The little hourglass with the sand passing through it. Most of us know it from little table board games, right? You got you to give your answer before the sands go through it. And the sands of time it used to be an expression uh, in, our, in our day of high technology and clocks everywhere that really meant something. Uh, but the sands of time continue, unstoppable. It's kind of like when I was a kid playing hounds and dogs on Friday night after dark with my neighborhood friends, you count to 100 against the, uh, the, the street light, and then you yell out, ready or not, ready or not, here I come. That's the guy that was it, and you had to go play tag and find, uh, find the rest of the guys who were hiding in all sorts of places, ready or not. Well, that's, uh, that's time, and that's a new year. It doesn't matter whether you're ready. Have you ever noticed that? I'm not ready. A lot of people say that going into Christmas. I'm not ready for Christmas. Did it stop? Oh, you're not ready? Well, pardon me. We'll wait, a, we'll wait for you to catch you up. You know, like, <laughs> never happens. Never. It's brutal the way it goes on. And one of the, a uh, couple of the things that really make it brutal is after you suffer a great bereavement. Have you ever noticed this? Somebody near dies, and it's kind of like you're in that funny bereavement time, and uh, your heart, you're, you know, and perhaps very close. And it's just, it's just like, and, and I'm thinking you, Rosemary, with your dear. Uh, and, and, but you look around, everybody's just kind of just keep going on, doing everything like, you know, the world doesn't stop. And it just, it's just brutal that way at points. And you guys, you know, I mean, you think about, the, wow, ready or not, here it comes. That's the way it is. Well, what will the new year hold for us? You know, at times it seems like our world is falling apart. I mean, we live in a broken world. Greg talked about that last week. It is a broken world. Genesis 3 is reality. 
It's not the world that God made. It's abnormal. And uh, I don't know if it's just the high communication. Something happens. Someone has a hiccup over in Kenya, and we, we hear about it in the next 10 minutes. That never used to be like that, ever, 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 ever. But I think there's a, a march toward greater and greater, greater evil in, in open rebellion against God. And, uh, and just not that we're hearing it more. There is more of it, and we are hearing of it more. Trouble, problems, fears seem to abound everywhere, don't they? How will we be able to journey through the new year with such a calamitous world in which we live in? Wow. And time just marches on. This past week, Faith and I enjoyed so much our, grand, our children home, but the more, more importantly, the granddaughters, all four were there. That's so rare for us. You know, we felt like saying, can't we just stop time? Just like to stop it. And uh, it just uh, never happened. Never have. They're all back in their places, and here we are, and here you are, and, and so on and so forth, and the world keeps turning, and even if it seems calamitous, it's not going to stop. So how, how do we handle that? How, how do we handle Psalm 121 has been such a great help to God's people through the centuries. A great help. This is, uh, you know, the Psalms are my favorite uh, book in, in, the, in the Bible, um, I love them so very, very much. Read them every day of my life. Memorize the large portions of it. In Psalm 121, my son asked me the other day, what's your, hey, what's your favorite psalm? I just blurted out 121. I was working on this, and I go, like, what a great psalm. I, I remember when I was dating Faithy, and I'd go down to Philadelphia from school, and Faithy was working in the center city, Philly, and I'd be down on the weekend, uh, as we were moving towards our wedding day to visit, I would hear her godly mom and dad recite this back and forth in the King James. And I remember thinking, what a wonderful heritage faith he comes from. I look unto the hills, whence cometh my help. I'd hear pop and mom in their bedroom uh, reciting this together before they retired for, for evening. I thought, like, what a wonderful, wonderful psalm. And it really stood out to me at that point. Uh, Jim Boyce, uh, pastor... Uh, academic and uh, 10th Street Press for many, many years. Uh, went home to be with the Lord about 10 years ago, but he wrote this about Psalm 121. My mother, uh, he's from uh, McKeesport, Pennsylvania. Some of you know where that is. My mother would often gather our family together to read Psalm 121, and she would pray with us before one of the children left home or the family started on a trip. Because so many, he writes, because so many of those goings were my own, there is a sense in which Psalm 121 became my, my travel psalm, my very own. And as we begin to journey into a brand new year, 2013 journey as we travel, I want you to take this psalm and tuck this in your heart, take this with you, no matter what befalls you or me. And all kinds of stuff is going to hit us. Uh, we just need to tr keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Well, there are three stanzas of this, of this song, or psalm, if you will. It calls us to have confidence in God's uh, uh, caretaking, his, uh, his shepherding, if you will, his care of you and of me. I mean, this is a glorious psalm, and in eight verses unfolds these three stanzas, and it reminds us, what? That God is able and that he is ever-present. He's able and he's ever-present. 
He's able. Now we're going to teach it again because we teach our children, don't we? He's able, he's able, I know he's able. I know my God is able to carry me through. Sometimes we need to relearn that ourselves, don't we? We teach it to our kids, sing it louder, sing it louder. We need to sing that. And this psalm is going to present that to us with great care to assuage our fears, anxieties, and what, what, the uncertainties of a strange day in a different world, seemingly different from the world I grew up in and you, I, I think that more and more, and that God is able. But more than that, he's ever-present. He's ever-present. He's able, and he's ever-present. It's one thing to be able, but to be in one location. But it's another thing to be able, omnipotent, and everywhere at the same time, or everything in his presence all at once. Wow. I saw this thing on National Geographic about uh, uh, the, uh, our, one of our newest uh, aircraft carriers. It talked about projecting force. That thing was amazing. Two nuclear reactors in there. Thousands of people, it's like a city floating, and all the ships that support it, amazing. I love watching that thing. You talk about projecting force. So they'd be in this part of the world when we're, you know, if they're not over there, and they're, if they're there and they're not here, that's a whole other matter. That's not God's problem. He's almighty, he's tremendous force, and he's everywhere present at the same time. Jesus said it so well, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Well, the first stanza, verses 1 and 2, uh, the psalmist here, and he's unknown, he is going to deal, uh, talk about something that happened to him yesterday in the past. And so I say we, like the psalmist, must first come to discover that God is more than able to take care of us. And perhaps, uh, as is often the case, it's a crisis in your life will produce this, this awareness of God's care. It seems to do it better than most other things when we have a problem, and it's far greater than what we're able to do. Uh, and we go like, Lord, help, help. It's way beyond me. In the psalmist, let's look at verse 1. I, the psalmist writes, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Then he asks the question, where does my help come from? That's a cry of desperation. And then he's going to answer in verse 2, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Well, the psalmist uh, perhaps had been on a journey that involved danger of some sort. The hills, and I'll catch this because most of your commentaries don't get this right. I have a, ver I have a minority view on this, and yet I've studied it, translated it, uh, worked on this, and I think, I think this is what the psalmist is saying. The hills here are, uh, are not the source of help. I mean, people will talk, well, this is one of the, uh, the, the journeying psalms as the pilgrims made their way up to Jerusalem, up. And they're looking under the hill of Jerusalem and are the governance of God and the place of God. And God's, that's the majority opinion on this thing. I, I do not think that's what's going on here at all. Uh, incidentally, oftentimes, not always, but often, it's uh, God's government and his uh, domain and domain is referred to in the Old Testament as a mountain. Uh, here it's hills. It's a little different. It's uh, the, the Judean hills uh, where they have uh, dry riverbeds and, 
in travelers that are walking. They didn't get on a bus or a motorcycle or drive a car or take an airplane. You know, they walked. They walked. And a lot of times the journeys took several days. Maybe he's a merchant, a business guy traveling. He's out there. There's no wind there. And he pulls into one of these dry riverbeds. The sun goes down early, if you're near the mountain, early. And, uh, and so he's looking under the hills. He's by himself. And uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, uh, he's in danger. There's real danger. I mean, the hills are the reason he's afraid here. He's looking under the hills. They're getting dark. And uh, it's like the old cartoon when I was a kid. There's danger in them dark hills. And there is. Don't be naive. We're increasingly not. I realize that. But we live in a fallen world that's broken with evil, sinful men and women. Uh, and we, we came from that and still battle sin, Romans 7. And stuff happens, terrible stuff, like what happened in Connecticut and in other places and other... It's, just, it's, it's an evil world. And, uh, and sometimes in the, when the brilliancy of a sun like this, we go like, oh, everything's just so pristine and beautiful. Yeah, but at night when it goes down, you're all alone and you're sleeping out there and in the hills, a lot of times in those dry wadis or riverbeds, there would be wild animals and wild packs of men that would rob you and beat you and leave you dead. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? That was the, the Lord's story. That was like reading it right off the page. That's the situation. Dangerous, scary, you know, I look under the hills, he's, he, he gets that feeling of terror. You ever been flooded with terror? Maybe we used to do that when we were kids. Watch the, I said that before. Watch the scary movies on Friday night when you're this high and drink soda and eat popcorn until you get sick and can't sleep. But you'd see the mummy, you know, and you get that, uh, that fright feeling. That's the idea here in verse 1. I lift up my eyes. He's talking about the past. He, he's, he's afraid. Where does my help come from? Danger in them, there are hills. It's a crisis moment. And it causes him to utter his desperate cry, Help! Where can I find help? Did you ever have to yell help? Have you ever done that? I really, really ask that question. I can remember doing that several times. You know, where sudden, something suddenly comes. I mean, if it's kind of creeping there, you're kind of bracing for it, right? You kind of get that, okay, brace, it's going to hit. But I mean sudden. And I, I, it caused me to think about when I was a boy at Long Beach, Canada, up there, and I stepped off, at, uh, off a, uh, a sandbar and uh, didn't quite know how to swim. And all of a sudden, I was in water over my head. And my father said, you ever find yourself like that? Don't panic, rule number one. Rule number two, go down to the bottom, push you off, go and yell. Keep doing this. Yell, yell, yell. And about 100 yards away, my father, who worked very hard all his life, looked forward to the vacation, would go there and sleep almost all afternoon on the beach. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, you've seen some of these sea lions on the beach. This guy, that was him. And I, that went on for about, I don't know how long, four or five minutes. I was yelling. I was panicking, yelling for help. And all of a sudden, he came and grabbed me. And I don't know, the Lord allowed him to hear my voice. He was a deep sleeper, too. Wake up, wake up. You know? And he came out, and I cried and cried and cried. Yeah, my father had saved me from, from drowning. You know, that was, uh, another time I was coming down from Scranton, going to visit Faithy, 
and snow and the Poconos there, all of a sudden I find myself doing 360s on a snowy road uh, uh, by near there. There's an army depot there where you cut down to 80. I don't remember the route. Hell! I just yell, help! You ever, I mean, have you ever yelled, help? That's what he's doing. The song's yelling, help! Danger! I mean, uh, any, anything come to mind that you're thinking of? Anyone want to help me here? John, you're nodding. Uh, one time, I was 18 or 19, I was coming back from Jungle Jungle Club rehearsal on a Sunday night. So it was, I think it was dark out, it was summer, and, uh, and the passing motors flagged me down, and you started pointing my car, and I had no idea what was wrong. And here I got out of the car, and somebody in front of me had thrown some trash out, it got lodged under my car, and it was on fire. Oh, oh. And boy, was I ever grateful that that wow. motor has flagged me down and wow. flagged me over. Today, you know, yeah. we look at people a bit crazy if they were trying to do that. Yeah. But I'm so thankful that they did that. And you were unaware? I was totally unaware. Wow. But I wow. stopped the car, and, and whatever it was fell off. And wow. Wow, that could have been a... I could see your friend say, well, what happened to John again? <laughs> and he, you yelled help, right? Yeah, I was 20 years old and brand new father, recently married, and I was working two jobs. And on my night job, I uh, worked out a roadway when they were out in Chambers Hill Road, uh, repairing trucks when they came off the road. I was working on trailer brakes on the one truck, and the air chamber exploded. Oh. Wow. I opened my eyes and all I saw was red, so I knew I was bleeding profusely. And I screamed for help, 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 and like for five minutes nobody ever came. Oh, wow. So I got up and walked into the dispatcher's office across the lot. And what a, a helpless feeling for sure. That is something to yell at, just help. Anyone else? Just one more. Take one more, honey. Yeah, I remember. I forgot about. Yeah, you yelled so loud that it, it, it caused an adrenaline. I, I didn't know what to do. I just picked Sarah up, put her on my hip. We were in a bi level. I ran down the stairs out to the front lawn. I, why would you do that? That's kind of <laughs> nutty. But going down the stairs evidently dislodged it and uh, could have been terrible. But Faith, you yelling, help. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when you delivered babies, you were yelling help there at certain points. <laughs> Don't remember that. Scared the willies out of me, you know. It was worth it, though, now. I mean, it's worth it. All right. Well, that's the point. I mean, that's what he, he's, he's crying out, help, help. Well, it's a great day for him, really, because for this believer, now has an opportunity to discover the greatness of God. I mean, there's nobody near him. Nobody near him, as far as we can tell, to help him in this uh, desperate situation. He could lean upon only his God. Only his God. And there's an expression that, that I love and that you've heard, many of you have heard. You will never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. That's the psalmist here. 
I mean, if there were an army, he wouldn't be yelling help. <laughs> I mean, and if he had, uh, you know, fighting force or he had super protection or something, he wouldn't. And let me say that one more time. You'll never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. And that's the psalmist. And so it's a good situation for him. Uh, he finally answers his own desperate question after discovering God's care for him. Uh, and my help comes from the Lord. Now notice in your Bible, most of your Bibles, when it has capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, they're trying to designate a different word in the Hebrew. That's the personal name for God, Yahweh. We think it's pronounced something like that, Yahweh. And that is the pre-incarnate Jesus. That's Jesus before Bethlehem. That refers to him. How do I know that? Check Exodus 3 and 4 at the burning bush. Moses says, who, who said, who, who is it that I should say sent me? Remember that? I am that I am. It's a form of the present tense verb to be. I am. Amy in the New Testament. That all the, think of all the I am's. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and life. I am, I am. Amy is that, the Greek word for that, that this signifying the same. So this is, he's saying, my help, uh, in his own words, comes from the person of the Lord Jesus. Uh, you can check that out. His help was not in his education. Get all the education you can. But that, don't think that, that in points of crisis that that will deliver you. I mean, you can never learn enough, say, I'll never have no, another problem. And certainly it's not, uh, he didn't, it wasn't his possessions. His help was not to be in that. I mean, I reached the end of it, whether he had little or much, nor in his friends. Friends are great and, and they're gifts of God, but uh, they weren't there. But his help was in the Lord, the pre-incarnate Jesus. Notice God's credentials here. Notice the Lord. Uh, what about, he's the maker of heaven and earth. Maker of heaven and earth. Now that's impressive. Some of you are fond of writing resumes for a job and you need to do that, I guess, right? And you put down some projects and some things that you've done and I did this and we increased by that and sales and all this or I've taught this or done that, right? And you put down and you sit down with the interviewer and he goes like, that's impressive, I like this. This is exactly what you've done and this and that. I dare say you've never put down, what have you done? Oh, and so I made the heavens and the earth. You got the job. <laughs> you were hired. And that's quite a resume credential, wouldn't you say? I mean, in fact, when he thinks about it, the maker of the hills and the one, the place of the danger is the one who made everything. And you know how that's, that's how it is in a crisis. When a crisis, when we're hit by something, a trouble, a dilemma, a problem, it gets so big, it overwhelms us, right? It overwhelms our, 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 our God in our thinking. All of a sudden, God shrivels down and the problem becomes so great. Oh, my, it's a bad medical record. Oh, my, my granddaughter. Oh, my. All of a sudden, and uh, we need to get the right perspective of God, know who he is, that he's always almighty. He's never half a tank. Our cars run on half a tank, right? God say, well, all that energy to keep everything together. I mean, he created, he must be tired. He's never tired. It just blows our mind. He's going to develop that a little bit more here later. But uh, he is able, and therefore, 
it's, uh, the Lord is able to guard him in that dangerous place, and in fact did so, and the Lord delivered him as he remembered yesterday uh, in the tense of the psalm. Uh, he, delivered, he delivered him in the past, and he delivered me, and he's delivered you. And my, uh, can I say it, and we'll see it later, most of the things he delivers from, we were totally unaware of, right? Just think about all the logistics of driving your car. Some of you should have a lot more accidents than what you've had. I've seen the way you drive, you know, <laughs> I've seen that. Or sometimes the red light, and somebody goes through, they're running it, and you were just delayed a little bit, and you go... Well, and you, you, that you became aware of, and, and God's protection on something you're totally unaware of, unaware of. We think of that with, with our property and the delay with the township and the inner office clerical goof up that they didn't put us on the agenda, and it's bounced to January 23rd. We go, and, and we go like, no, wait a minute, God's in charge. Uh, there's a God in heaven whose sovereignty rules over all. I wonder what God was doing there and, and, and trying to understand that the little bit we're able to like kindergartners but uh, God is able to do that to protect us as a church to protect us individual uh, individually and our children as he watches over us the word in uh, uh, the, the word watcher or keeper in the Hebrew is shamar protecting caring helpful for every detail you can almost substitute the word for a good mother Ever seen how a mother's kind of watching over her brood? And she's maybe talking to a girlfriend, but she's kind of talking here and just, and she's like, oh, she sees danger, and she's there, oh, need a diaper change. Where's a man out most of the time? How do they do that? You know, like just kind of watching over all the time, just kind of as, oh, the, don't hit your sister, you know, <laughs> these kind of things. You know, it just, it sort of reminds me of that the keeper, the watcher, protector, caring every detail. And the word shamar, and here is used six times in the psalm. Uh, God, the Lord Jesus, the one who is keeping you, if you know him as your Savior. And so we, like the psalmist, must first come to discover that God is more than able to take care of us. I mean, I've hoped that you, you've had times in your life where you're at the end of yourself, and maybe you're there right now. Keep looking unto him. He's the maker of all things. He made you in your times, and your days, and gave you gifts and abilities and talents. Keep your eyes fixed upon him. And maybe it was a crisis in the past that you look back and you go like, yes, God brought me through that. Wow, I think of my father's sudden death, and we go like, what are we gonna do now? We got the business, we gotta sell it. My younger brother's my mother. She's a widow at 49. I mean, that was a, that was a very hard time back a number of years ago now. That was, a, that was a, a, and God's carried us through. We smile as we think about it. I had a strange day in June of 86 where um, uh, the doctor told me, cardiologist said, I think you're on the verge of a heart attack. They put me in an ambulance, drove me 40 miles at, uh, uh, at about 70 miles an hour. I go, that was a strange day. And God carried me through. That's what the night in the hospital scared the willies out of faithy. You go like, what an odd, odd day, you know. So since then, I lowered the octane on my coffee, and uh, turned out that once they they did a heart catheterization, your your arteries are as clear as could be. They couldn't throw me out the door fast enough, which I was grateful the next day. But uh, what an odd day! What a I go like, wow, strange. And and you've had strange days for sure. The psalmist had that verse one and two, and then he turns. In verses 3 to 6, the second stanza of the psalm, 
uh, he turns and he begins like a testimonial. He's going to speak now to other believers there in that day in Israel. Uh, he says to them, we, uh, the psalm, we like the psalmist must continue to trust God to care for us in the new year. And as we do, our confidence in him will grow. You see, his crisis had passed, and now he gives testimony to others of God's constant and powerful protection. After personally experiencing God's care, the writer now turns to God's people and urges them to trust in Israel's almighty keeper. Look at verses 3 and 4. He says, He will not let your foot be moved. When you're walking through a rocky, uh, hilly country with sharp uh, uh, precipices along the side, uh, a slip of the, of, of the, of the foot uh, can mean almost certain death. Have you ever gone hiking like that? Some of you like to hike. You go hiking, and uh, you better have good shoes on, and they better be probably high, high hiking boots. And we've done that as a family in years back in Vermont. Some of the mountains there, up there walking, and go up there and have a picnic lunch and read scripture and just enjoy that time. But I'm one where I'm not Calamity Jane, but I, I could easily roll off a stone and twist my ankle and just sort of put the... I have my mother's ankles, I guess. I've seen her fall all over the backyard, <laughs> slip out of her, her, her low-cut sneakers and land in the ground and then look to see if anyone saw that embarrassing moment. You know, that sort of be like me. And, and one slip uh, in the Judean highlands there, I remember being there looking at that and thinking, holy cow, that's instant death. He will not let your foot be moved. That's the idea. He who keeps you, there's the word shamar, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at, on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The crisis has passed. He's giving testimony of personally experiencing God's sweet care and he, he wants others to know that, that are in his family, in his, uh, his sphere of influence. Maybe they work with him. Uh, the point he's making in verse 3 and 4 is that God watches over his nation. We recognize during this period of time, God was calling out a nation. It was the nation, the Israel, Israel. Uh, these are his people. Not all people are God's people. You often hear that in our pluralistic uh, crazy day, right? That all roads lead to heaven. Doesn't matter just as long as you believe. That's not true. That is not true. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that in Matthew 7, 21, 22. It is, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so not all. In fact, God's people are probably in a minority. Don't know what he's going to do with uh, aborted babies that are killed in the womb, whether they're under God's elective grace. He's not chosen to tell us, but if that's so, there'll be many, many millions upon millions of those in heaven, but the word, it'll be God's mercy and grace all through the cross, but we've not been told, at least I don't, but we do see the Lord's word, suffer the little children, come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. Well, God watches over his people. He's a watchman who never sleeps. And he's ever-present, never sleeps, never slumbers, never sleeps. Isn't sleep a wonderful thing? Don't you love sleep? I do. Holy cow. End of the day, I'm completely out of gas. And aren't you glad the way God designed Have you ever thought about it? Am I the only one that a day is only 24 hours? Imagine if a day was like, like 70, three days in length. 
And the sun was like, ah, it's never going to go down, you know, like in our bodies, like I'm, I'm going down for my third seven-hour, eight-hour sleep this day, right? God has worked all of that out. And when we lay down to sleep and the replenishment of energies and, and by God's design, and, and, uh, and then in the morning, boop, the wake up. Some of you wake up like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. The rest of you drag yourself out, but put our feet on the floor and get up and get moving a day and a brand-new day. I'm glad days are only 24 hours because when you really blow a day, I mean, really mess up, right? It just doesn't keep going on. And you're like, oh. But you get a new day, and it's like a new start. Lord, help me today. Consecrate me, Lord. Guard my tongue, my heart, my thoughts. And it's a new day, and they come, they come fast. So you're sort of like, wow, that's great. I get to start. Lord, grow me in grace today. Even though we need sleep daily, and we do. You know, they've done studies with people that go without sleep. They keep them without. You'll hear, if you go a, a day or two or three without sleeping, you're a mess, you're a mess. You're certifiable at that point. I mean, you'll start to hear people speaking to you. And you'll see things that really are not there. You're a, a, a complete disaster uh, if it goes on very, very long. I, there was a time when my blessed uncle, he's now in heaven, my mother's brother Larry, he loved the Lord so much, but he had, he had a strange thing hit him. He, he got the hiccups, and it went on for a week. And he couldn't sleep, besides hurting everything. Does that sound like that? The muscle spasm in the throat? And I remember seeing him in the hospital. We prayed with him. They couldn't stop the contraction in the wherever it was, um, no matter what they did for him. And he was a disaster, hurt, ache, the stupid things like hiccups, right? Yeah, hiccups. And God gave us sleep. The contrast is, is that God never sleeps. He's almighty. That's the point. He's ever-present, ready to care for us. He's not like the pagan gods, uh, like the ancient Near Eastern gods. You know, they, they taught that Baal, you know, most of you know Baal and, and the problem with that in Israel. But Baal, it was believed that the hot ancient Near Eastern, Middle Eastern summer days, and believe me, they get hot, right, from Qatar, they get hot. It would drive Baal uh, underground and that he would sleep all summer, and it was the fall or the latter rains that would eventually wake him up. Now, you can check out uh, uh, Elijah on the Mount of Carmel when he's taunting the false prophets of Baal. He's yelling, uh, yell louder. Maybe he's asleep. It kind of connects that for you. Well, our God, the Lord, never sleeps, never needs sleep, designed us for it. And it's a wonderful thing, but he's able to keep us uh, always. He's not like the false god of the ancient Near East. Well, the psalmist now speaks, and this becomes very tender. Now, this is the very heart of the psalm, telling us that Israel's keeper, and God keeps his theocratic kingdom Israel, and he does and did, but, he'll, but he, he's more than that. He'll also protect, he's great enough to protect and keep each single person that belongs to him, verses 5 and 6. And this is the very heart of the psalm. In literature, it's called uh, a literary device of inclusion. If you were, it's poetry, remember? And it's kind of like it's an hour shape. He starts uh, with a specific problem, he, uh, and then he goes down to the very center, and the very heart of the psalm is here, the uh, Israel's keeper. And you can draw a line uh, in verse 4. It says, Behold, he who keeps Israel, and draw the line now down to verse 5, 
The Lord is your keeper. There's the message of this whole psalm in structure. Uh, and we, we all go, Israel's keeper is so great, he's the keeper of each one individually. That's you and that's me. And most of us would say, yes, we, we know the Lord keeps his church. He's building his church today. Today it's the church. No Jew, no Gentile. And he's certainly great enough to do that. And, but somehow we get lost in that. It's like panning a football game up at State College or something. And there's 100 and what, John, 18,000 uh, fans. Huh? 110. Look at all those. Look at all those. Look at that crowd right there. We're like, oh, there's a whole mess of people. Up there. And we get lost in the crowd somehow thinking, oh, God's doing busy things, important things, and I don't somehow count. No, God is so great. He's able to take care of all of that at the same time. He never sleeps. He's always on duty. He's ever present. And he's so great to do the great things. He does the little things, and he keeps it all where he wants it and cares for us as little sheep. That's amazing. That's, the, that's what he's saying here. And so as we think about a new year in a crazy world, we go like, Lord, Lord, the, Israel's, he's my keeper. The Lord is my shepherd. It becomes very personal in the psalm. From this point on, you're going to see him use the personal pronouns. Um, he's going to say you, your, you, you. It's very personal, very individualistic. The Lord is your shade. That's summer protection. We know what that means, right? Uh, when you're out in the hot summer sun or the, the Arabian desert sun, the shade means protection. Sun is not good. It'll draw the strength out of you and kill you. The, he, he protects us. The sun and the moon, some commentators will write and say, well, he's referring to the, the god Ray or the moon god. Or the, uh, no, he's not. He's just simply talking. His point is 24-hour protection. The sun during the day, the moon during the night. He's like, oh, there it is. Did you see the moon last night, incidentally? It was beautiful. Faithy and I were out, and she goes, is that a full moon? Look at the clouds going in front. Beautiful. I saw this morning when I got it, it's still dark, and there's the moon on the other side of the, of the house. He, he simply means the totality of his protection. It's 24 hours. There tend, to be a common, there tend to be common dangers during the day and different ones at night, especially in the city. We've talked about that in days gone by. There's a whole other crew in the city that come out at night. Have you ever noticed that? They are. Certain ones uh, either leave the city, they say, oh, I'm out of here, <laughs> or they go up high, Right? And then there's a whole other crowd that it's like second shift. I don't know. And the dangers are, are different at night, and you have to be very careful. Don't be naive about that, but it's 24-hour protection uh, and so on. So what the psalmist is doing here is looking back. He remembers that time in the Judean hills. Where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord Jesus, maker of heaven and earth. That's really what he's saying. And he draws strength from that. God protected me that day. He draws strength for the present issues of today. Because today is what he's talking about. And that's what David did, incidentally, with David and Goliath. Uh, the, remember the boy, David? Uh, the Goliath said, you know, you're dead meat, and so on. That's a loose translation. But, and he goes like, no, he said, the victory is with the Lord. And the Lord delivered me from the bear and from the lion, and he's going to deliver me from you and your dead meat, right? Remember that? How, here's a question. Why is it in all the children's books on David and Goliath? They never show the end of it, where David chops his head off and lifts it up. Ah, the parents would have to be explaining that, right? 
they never kind of, they just kind of ended nicely, kind of. He defeated him. But uh, uh, David drew strength. God delivered me there and there, and he's going to in the future as he looks forward. And we need to be able to do the same thing. A prayer book is good. If you maybe this year, you may want to start a prayer book. If you don't have a journal, write specific prayers in there and draw strength. So when uh, the, the foundation shakes, I mean, God will provide blessings this year, I promise you, but there will be trying times. And I don't know what they're going to be, but there will be. And you, do, you know life as well as I do in a fallen world. So a prayer book or a journal, start that. The beginning of the year is a good time. Not only to start losing weight again, and we all half of us sign up for that, you know, but have something like this that will feed our soul and draw strength when the uh, trouble hits. That's what the psalmist did. And he closes in verses 7 and 8. He's, now he's speaking very universally. Now it's not that one time, that night, verse 1 on the in the Judean hill end, but now it's universal and general, but very personable. For we, like the psalmist, as we trust in the Lord, we may smile at the future because it's in his hands. Look at his words in 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you, its future, from all evil. I mean, that's inclusive. He will keep your life. Notice how personal it is. You, you, your the Lord will keep, that's the word shamar, shamar there, you're going out and you're coming in, that's a Hebraism, it means from this point to this point and all the points in between, you're going, you're going out and you're coming in, and all of the minutiae between, and all the stuff that happens is what he's saying here, the Lord will keep you from this time forth and even forevermore. And shall we say, if you die in Jesus, you will be swept into glory. And oh, what a great thing that will be for you. Here's a series. He gives a series of intensifying statements about God's care for his own. A, whether good or evil finds us, the Lord will provide blanket care. He'll keep you from all harm. This is evil. This is the physical evil in our world. Incidentally, there is evil in our world. And here's one of the key tenets that shake the very foundation of our godless culture. And it's this. All children are born good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what went wrong with that one or that one that did something evil? They can't explain it. No. All of us are born evil, sinful, degenerate. I had the task of begin telling uh, my son that now that his daughter is uh, coming of age, there'll come a point where, you know, don't every little thing, but when she has defiance, you, you've got to reinforce that. You've got to bend her will or you will be in trouble in years to come and pray like mad for God's blessing. And, and you need to set the boundary and when they, and they'll press you and they know you better than they make it a study you must reinforce that because they're born and they're just like you. And my mom and I went through that. And we raised you and we got through it. Now you do it. And incidentally, you know, because he's a tender heart, I won't say who it is. Well, you can figure it out. But he's a tender heart. And with his little girl, she's probably going to wrap around already. I see it. And I said, I shall tell you this, that of the three of you, I think Sarah got disciplined the most. I let him think about that. She's the girl of two boy, other boy, he and his brother, and she 
such a strong will. We know why God made her with strong will. But she had to learn to submit that to the Lord. Um, uh, and it wore, nearly wore us out, but we made it. Praise God for that. And so, uh, there is evil in the world. We produce it in the hearts and lives of our children. It involves all sorts of trouble. It sounds like Romans 8, doesn't it? Uh, I love that wonderful passage there. It begins, no condemnation to them are in Christ. And it ends with no separation. And, and he gives a list of possible things, uh, you know, of the dangers in, in our world. Romans 8.35, uh, where he says, uh, and Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we are being killed all the day. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than victors, conquerors. The word Nike, you know, we Nike sneakers, Victor, Nike here. Uh, Through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, seven troubles mentioned but delivered. No exceptions, right? Blanket care. You ever read your insurance policy? They sent me my health insurance policy in the mail. I just left it. It's like, it's, you know, about that thick of stuff. And uh, I, as a matter of fact, I uh, had, had about 45 minutes. I thought, I'd better read that. We're going to move in the new year and see what they changed around and all this. Holy cow, you read through that thing. You know, we'll insure you. I, I'm convinced Faith and I are covered if something happens on Tuesday between 2 and 3. You know, they give, it, they give it all to you in the opening statement. I don't know if that's the way, Carol, you think about it. But, uh, and then you've got to read all the exclusions. Here, here, here. We saw that, didn't we, with uh, Hurricane Sandy? And folks saying, I've been paying for health insurance for years and years and years and years, and the insurance company won't pay, blah, 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 blah. Well, I, I knew that industry, grew up in it with our family business and all, and, and know that if you're in any flood zone, you have to have the national flood insurance. You have to, have to, have to, absolutely. It's an exclusion under your house. Maybe this is new. This may be the most important thing you got. <laughs> it's an exclusion, right? Uh, and so, and even an exclusion. You see that God gets blamed. Act of God. Act of God is usually something terrible, right? They, they, they don't pay then, and this kind of thing, and all that. They they give it in a general statement. There's no fine print here. There's no fine print. God says, oh, I, oh, I didn't mean that. No, there's no. I, he will take care of us in a new day, in a new year, with all that happens as he weaves all things together for the good. No, that, that, that gives us reason to, 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 to rest and, and be at peace and, and to smile at no matter what befalls us. That's what happens to the psalmist here. I love it so much. And finally, be the Lord will protect you through all your daily activities and travels. The text says, he will watch over you. Here we are told of God's protection from unrealized troubles throughout a busy day. I mean, there's trouble all around us, and, and God protects us, and there are angels that care for us. You know, we talk about guardian angels, but the Bible doesn't speak about uh, uh, one angel, but not like one is assigned no, but his angels uh, are given to minister to the, to the elect. 
And uh, they protect and care in, in all kinds of ways. Bless God for that. And the two ideas point to the totality of our activities. It's impossible. Get this. It's impossible for you to give attention to your own safety every moment. Even if you're real careful. Say, I'm going to be real careful. I'm going to look around and make sure nothing happens. And while you're doing this, something will fall frozen from one of Roger's aircraft. Hits you right in the head. I read that in the paper. Went right through the house. Guy's sitting there watching the bills, you know. And yeah, this big a green ice thing. Whoop, right through the roof down into his family room. And said the guy just sat there and looked at it for a while. Now, that'd, be, that'd be a startling experience. And that's the way it is. Life in a fallen world. You cannot... You can't be 24. Even we talk about the mother who's always caring for her brood of kids. You can't. You can't. But God says he will all the time. He's always there. Isn't that great? So no matter what falls, Jesus doeth all things well. Wow. He will keep us. And he does. Well, lessons, uh, lessons for our life quickly. We're just about out of time. Let me, let me challenge you, first of all, this, that uh, like the... Just to ask you before we uh, quickly read off these, just to bow your head now. And I just want to, if you know Christ as your Savior, I'd like you to take just a moment now to ask the Lord to search your heart. Uh, you know, we're sinful and God's delivering us from sin, but perhaps there are some sinful habits and ways in your life. I'd like to urge you to leave those, leave them. And if you've left them, leave them again. Right now, this end of December, so you enter into a new year, sins of the heart, sins of the tongue, sins of omission, sins of commission. I mean, Paul said it, O wretched man that I am, who should deliver me from the bonds of this death? If the Lord brings something, one or two things to mind, just say, Lord, I confess that, lay that, covered in the blood. I want to begin a new year striving in holiness and service, growing in grace. I don't want to be trapped by that sin that seems so easily beset me. The idols of our heart we lay at your feet. Pray that way even now. Thank you, Lord, for much of the Christian life is starting again and again, and, and it's the power of the resurrection through the Spirit of God who works in us. And we're not in the self-reformation. It's your work, and we're your project completely. And I pray that 2013 will be a year of great growth and godliness for each one of us here that will learn to be more like Jesus, and that be Jesus to others. And that our church will be totally changed as a result of it. And our community and this world. Oh God, cleanse us and wash us. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Just quickly, look at the list here. Our Lord is a powerful keeping God who deserves our trust. You can count on it. Trust him in the new year. He's our keeper. Number two, grow 
to grow in your confidence in the Lord, you must come to know him deeply. I mean, the psalmist did, creator of heaven and earth. I'd like to encourage you to commit yourself to daily Bible reading in the new year. You know, your faith must be fed. And it's fed not by eating cheeseburgers. Or I saw the Burger King, he had a, you had buy a Whopper, get one for 50 cents. Some of you are laughing. You had a couple of those. It doesn't grow by that either. It grows by the Word of God. As you ingest the Word and read it and meditate on it, that's Psalm 1-3. God will change you. I know, He's changing me through that. There's some of the Asian churches, you know, I should tell you this. Uh, they expect their pastors and elders to read 20 chapters of the Word of God every day. And they expect their people to read five chapters of God's Word every single day. It's no wonder we're a bunch of babies here in the West. Oh, I can't read my verse a day, keep the doctor away, you know? Wow. Let me encourage you to do that. Will you do that? Will you commit to reading God's Word through this year? Number three, this song is not saying that you'll never have a problem. Holy cow, if you got that out of it, you missed it. But no matter what befalls us, the Lord will keep us and go with us through it all and then take us to heaven to be with him. That's what he's saying here. Isn't that great? Number four, remember the Lord uses trouble to draw us close to him. Like the psalmist, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. That's James wrote that. And number five, you know, just maybe you're here and you need to fear. You know, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. The Bible tells us that. And uh, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you need to fear. Because someday you're going to give an account standing before him. And if, it's, if, it's, if you're not in faith, if you're not saved, it'll be a disaster for you. A disaster. The greatest act of care that God ever did was sending his own son, Jesus, to die for our sin. Well, Psalm 121 is the traveler's psalm. And let me close by just saying, in the words of a much more contemporary writer, Paul said, if God be for us, what? Who can be against? That's right. Let's stand and be, be dismissed with prayer. I guess we're going to sing a song, John. Let's pray. Let's stand. Father, thanks so much for uh, carrying us through the end uh, of another year. Hard to believe we're at the end of uh, 2012 and a day or two from a new year, new beginning. Thank you as we go into the year that you're our keeper. And may we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus who does all things well. Use us in some extraordinary ways in this new year. Make us a blessing. Grow us and use us, Lord, in the hearts and lives of at least one other person this year. Oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Real quickly, uh, that